0: Thank you so much for listening to another episode of CX Chronicles Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian Brady Chizana. Tune in each week as we listen to amazing customer-focused business leaders from across the world sharing their personal stories about their teams, tools, process, and feedback. Check us out at CXChronicles.com today, or listen on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Today's episode is brought to you by Help Scout, an easier, more powerful way to support your customers. Simple to start, powerful at scale, and proven to build better customer relationships. More than 12,000 businesses trust Help Scout as the backbone of their support team. Voted best ROI by customers on GQ. Get your extended 30-day free trial at HelpScout.com/backslash30. Tell them CXC sent you. Hey, folks, thanks so much for listening to another episode of the CX Chronicles podcast. I wanted to take a minute to call out some of the things that we're working on here at CXE today. Number one, CX Scorecards. Take a minute to see how your team and your business is performing across the four CX pillars. Number two, CX if you need somebody in your company or if you need one of your CX and CS leaders to get some additional training, coaching, and fractional CXO support, ask us about our CX boot camps. We do a full deep dive with live coaching with your team to run through all the facets of the CX and the CS land. And number three, CX Accelerators. We have been privileged to work with some incredible companies across the world, helping them build their CX and CS roadmap for success as they scale their business and as they scale their team. Do not hesitate to reach out to CX cross- Chronicles today to ask us how we can help make customer happiness a habit within your business. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of the CX Chronicles podcast. Super excited. James Dawkins is here to join us today. James, why don't you say hello to the CX Nation, my friend?
1: Hello, CX Nation. How are you? You can't say anything.
0: <laughs> so no, we're we're a to have question
1: you today, Literally, my first sentence, I say something stupid. <laughs> That's, this is, this is no, 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 no.
0: So, so wait, I have to, I, I normally I ask, I, I ask the guests to set the stage, James, but today I just want to give the, the one minute call. So uh, about two months ago, um, James did an awesome presentation at customer contact week in Las Vegas. And we'd not get a chance to meet because number one, I saw a line of people around the, around the freaking wall talking to you because everyone wants to meet the, 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 fabulous James Dawkins. But number two, it's just busy. We were both running around, but You know, I I reached out to James immediately after that. And I said, dude, awesome presentation. Me and you need to chat. I knew on the spot when you were doing your thing on the stage that day that we just think about customer experience very similarly. We think about customers and employees the same way. So I'm pumped to have you on the show today, my friend. I'm super pumped for you to share your story.
1: Cheers, man. I'm really, really excited. It was a shame we couldn't catch up. But I'm really excited to be doing this.
0: I literally have a picture. I have a picture in my mind of. I remember you were you were you were you were rolling out of the place, and you and I were like one of the only people in the um, in one of like the Caesar forums there. And I literally just didn't want to bother you. I knew that you just finished, and it was like, just, I know how it is. Everybody, knows, I'm listening, knows how it is. With after you have just done your presentation, you've just done like a big meeting, you've just killed it with a client. You just like need a second to just like oof, come down, come yeah, down from be- it. So I didn't want to. I didn't want to burst that bubble there, James.
1: I pre- I appreciate that man, but you should have come and said hello.
0: <laughs> so, look, why don't you start off, man? Why don't you take a couple of minutes, set the stage, um, and 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 let the Six Nation know how'd you get into this space, man? And feel free to kind of tell some of the early story too, like some of the stepping stones that kind of brought you into the space, brought you into this whole niche that that that, that we, you know we both work in, and, and just kind of tell us how you got to this place in in your career and in your life with with doing some of the work that you're doing today. Yeah,
1: sure thing. So. As, as you said, my name's James Dudkins. I'm the Customer Experience Ambassador for Pega Systems. Uh, we're a software company, but I'm not going to talk to you about software. Don't worry about that. But I, the, the interesting thing is I've been involved in the discipline of customer experience for about 10 years now. And Before that, I had a music career, which turns out is all about customer experience, too. So yeah. I was doing customer experience long before I ever really even knew it existed. So I played guitar in a heavy metal band, I toured the world, released albums, was in all the rock and metal magazines on TV. So I used to be an actual real life, legitimate award-winning rock star, but but now I'm not.
0: <laughs> hey man, first of all, first of all, it's as you just said, it set the stage and it laid the foundation, right? For all of these awesome things that you're doing today. But um, you, it, it's funny, I told James guys during our, during our our introduction chats. You know, I also came up playing in bands, playing guitar, playing drums, played in a bunch of different bands growing up. You just now, the brother playing like music, being in a band, being in a band, playing music, creating music, writing songs, dealing with the marriage of being with your your bandmates. That is one of the best ways that you can build a foundation. For thinking about how you take care of customers, thinking about how you take care of employees, thinking about building a business, man, a band is a business. It's a product. It's a set of services inside of a group. So you're right, man. It's such an incredible way to really kind of um, just understand this space and think about how you can how you can kind of create be creative inside of business at the exact same time.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, it's that's the interesting thing. It's like everybody watching this is going to love customer service, love customer experience, and. Every single person is going to have their own unique story of how they got their love of customer experience. But for me, I got my love of customer experience from being in a touring band because what I've come to realise is that putting on an amazing show for your fans night after night is exactly the same as delivering amazing experiences to your customers day after day. And once I made that connection, never look back.
0: Yeah, man, it's true. It's like it's like the So the consistency piece there, James, just like, you know, doing, you know, an excellent thing for your customer time and time and time again, that's one part of it. But then the other part and the parallel between just bands and music and and business, it's the the brand piece, right? Like an awesome band. They've got not only they have their brand, but they have their brand of sound, right? And you you do some awesome work inside of some of your presentations kind of sharing even how other 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 musicians and other creatives they can even they can even borrow part of that brand and bring it over into their own little thing and then make their own wild world of it and and by the way I hate to say it guys but the best companies on planet earth that are that are killing it with their CX they do the same damn thing right James they're they're constantly taking little parts and little pieces of what Apple's doing, or what Google's doing, or what Uber's doing, or what what all these big, big big huge companies are doing, and they kind of make it their own, right? They make it their own little thing. So um, it's 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 definitely definitely an interesting interesting path into this space. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Definitely- so
0: then. I- so then, tw- why don't you why don't you give us a sense for um on on uh, after the after the uh, the music career after the band started to wrap up how'd you get into this business world what were some of the first some of the first uh, jobs or some of the first bits of work that you were getting into that kind of led you to where you are now?
1: Well, after being an international rock god, I took the <laughs> next, next logical step in my career and sure. joined an, yeah joined an insurance company. Oh yeah, that's super loud rock star straight into insurance. I love it. Yeah, exactly, and I was on the phones in a call center selling insurance. Um, I realized pretty quickly, don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I worked my way through the corporate world. Uh, the, pr- the problem was. Um, well, actually, that came a little bit later, went my way through the corporate world, and then got made redundant, which was the best choice I never made. So for <laughs> Americans or Canadians watching, being made redundant is like being downsized. You're not fired. It's just that your job doesn't exist anymore. Does, does that translate?
0: Not so much. I mean, I, I, I get it. But no, here, here in the States, that would be a bit confusing to most, I'd argue.
1: Okay. Well, there's a thing that happens over here where you're not <laughs> fired. It's just your job doesn't exist anymore, so you have to leave the company because you haven't got a job. So it's pretty much exactly like being fired, apart from they give you some money to leave. That's, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so that, that was redundant. Was so this, this so becoming or being placed in this redundant state was this the this was the catalyst? This was the fire that kind of got you thinking something else has got to happen. I got to be doing something different. I, or just giving you a different sense for what you really wanted to be doing or what?
1: Well. Basically, I sat there and I thought about my options, and I realized that in the corporate world, we had loads of really, really expensive, crappy consultants come through. And I thought, you know what? I could be a really expensive, crappy consultant. So I did that. I became a really expensive, crappy consultant. (laughs) To be fair, I, I wasn't that crappy. I got to work with some really cool companies. I worked with people like Disney, Lego, Nike, Adobe like airlines all over the world governments all over the world I got really lucky that I got to work with some really really cool companies but the the problem with it was in the corporate world I had created a corporate persona for myself I had decided to create a mask almost of this is what a corporate person should be suit and tie briefcase and I was miserable because I was spending so much of my energy on any particular day desperately trying not to be me and that that wears you down after a while and then so there was a convergence of lots of things at once but like the the, the final linchpin the thing which is it's a song by fear factory if we've got any heavy metal fans out there but the single linchpin <laughs> that turned um everything for me was a quote from jerry garcia from the grateful dead Do you know, have you heard of the Grateful Dead? One of my, Jerry's one of my absolute favorite musicians of all time. So absolutely 100%. Then you might even know the quote, but for the people that don't know the quote, the quote is, don't try and be the best in the world at what you do. Be the only person in the world that does what you do. And it kind of hit me all at once. I was like, damn, I've got this really cool music career that I never tell anyone about because I'm scared of the judgment. Yeah, And yeah, yeah. I've got yeah, this yeah. love of customer experience that's grown over the years, kind of organically, kind of by accident. Why can I, I mean, looking back, I understand that it wasn't, it makes a lot of sense now. But at the time I was like, Why would, why customer experience? It just happens to be the thing. But I was like, why can I not put these together and try and teach people about customer experience through the lens of music in a bit more of a fun and engaging way. And yeah, the rest is history.
0: I I love it. First of all, I mean, I I love the Jerry quote. I I love most Jerry quotes, but you're right, James. There's something about, for our listeners, like there's something that comes along with being yourself, being authentic doing your thing, doing the the things that you actually enjoy to do, or the things that you know that you're excellent at, or the things that just inspire you and and, and you can tell, kind of flare up your passion points, that just breeds confidence. And then the confidence part starts to breed success, right? People want to work with other folks that they can feel the passion. They can feel the, the, just the experience. They know that they know what they're talking about. They're, they're like completely entangled in the world. So like whether, whether it's ridiculous or not, they just know so many different facets about this stuff that there's no way that they can't help you, or there's no way that they can't bring some additional type of leverage to whatever it is you're trying to do. I think the, the last piece is just like connecting um, again, all of that stuff's required being on the stage, James, you and I both know that like for people that are non-musicians um, just because you're excellent at the guitar, just because you're excellent at the drums, or just because you've got a beautiful voice that everybody wants to listen to. That doesn't mean that you're not scared shitless when you get up onto the stage, even after you've done it, sometimes a thousand times you can come into different venues different stages different sound setups different audiences in front of you and all of a sudden like it gets those uh those nerves tingling right which is probably the fun it's part of probably the fun of 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 what draws people back but it's the same thing in business man this is what i've learned as i've gotten deeper into my career and as i've gotten further away from also being a musician but like it's the same type of thing in business, right? Like a brand new client or a brand new team that you get to present to and work with. And whether you're a shitty consultant or whether you're an excellent consultant, being able to bring your your thing, right? Bring your playbook or bring your passion or bring your own wisdom to that team. That stuff's fun, man. So I love I love that you're kind of laying out some of the different ways that that that, that people could be thinking about. Or how, number one, how you came into the space, but. These are lessons, man. These are things that other people should be listening to and they should be creating their own iterations of them and bringing them right back to their team and right back to their executive leadership teams and right back to their future careers, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's, um, I feel silly now not telling anyone because I was almost embarrassed by the music and there was a, there was one time I did tell a lady um, that, okay, yeah, I used to do music, I used to play in a band and she was like, what type of music? And I said, well, well, it was heavy metal. And she's like, oh, I don't really know very many bands that are like that. She, she said, what kind of bands would I have heard of that are heavy metal? And because we are in Birmingham, in England, I said, yep. Black Sabbath. <laughs> she, went, she said, hang on a second. You're telling me that you used to make money from being a devil worshipper. <laughs> and I said, no, 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 no. You've got it all wrong. Not too much. <laughs> I didn't make any money. <laughs> i thought that was hilarious yeah she um, didn't appreciate that or what no she she didn't think that was she didn't think that was very funny <laughs> at all i was chuckling about that all day but then after that i was like you know what i'm not going to tell anyone else yeah right <laughs> well, no maybe yeah. So i'm just gonna keep it quiet
0: yeah that's awesome yeah but as me as you and i were chatting about the other day like i think it is a differentiator and you're and you know again for up and coming future customer focused business leaders own your differentiators, you know, as James is calling out, it's, it's such a good point, which is like, if there's these little different facets of your life or these little different facets of your background and just kind of who you are and where you came from, leverage that shit, own it. Like, it's a great way to kind of really stand out. And then more importantly, the authentic piece, I think more and more, man, in today's modern world, especially after what everybody has kind of just gone through over these last few years, it's nice to be around real people. It's nice to be around folks that are you Know they, they've, they've got some of that, um, they've got some of that, not just the charisma, but like they've got the authenticity piece. I, I think that's huge. But, um, so James, I'd love to, I'd love to, I'd love to kind of pick your brain around you. You're, you're getting deeper into, into the story, but you've worked with a bunch of different teams, man. You, and I'd love to kind of dive into the first six of Pillar Teams. You just mentioned some incredible brands that you were able to do work with. Um, I'd love to hear you kind of just talk for a couple minutes about some of the different. Things that you've really kind of picked up along your journey, working at these different businesses, working with different teams, working with different executives, too, man, and different different contributors, day-to-day folks. I'd love to just kind of hear how you kind of think about that first pillar of team and some of the some major the major things that you want our listeners to be thinking about as they're building and scaling their own teams or leading their own teams.
1: Yeah, there's um when it comes to teams, what I've seen with companies that tend to do well is they actually don't put their customers first they put their employees first and it turned me into a firm believer that if you want to put your customers first you need to put your employees first first and it's almost like an unwritten agreement that leadership will put the employees first and in return they will put the customers first and then the customers will look after the money so they'll they'll deal with that and there's i think it's I'm, try, I'm trying to remember exactly because i did codify this before i think there's about seven areas that they seem to excel in like where good teams excel um and it's, it spells vacuire, which isn't a real word but that's how i remember it okay. so v is for vision and mission so the teams that seem to outperform and excel have a clear vision and a a mission and i think for a lot of people they get vision and mission confused so this is the way to think about it vision is um selfish that's what you want for the company mission is selfless that's what you want for the world okay so vision is we want to become the whatever company in the world the first choice for this the number one that a seven billion dollar business that's vision is about us
0: Yeah, right. Mission
1: is what you want for the world, for the for customers, for people, uh, for the planet, whatever. Um, And you've got to realize that if you focus on the mission, you'll deliver the vision. So there you go. That's vision. That's the first thing. High performing teams have always got that thing to feel a part of that no matter what their skills and core competencies are, they're all working together to deliver that thing. The A in VACquire is alignment So it's looking at the stuff they're doing on a daily basis, their processes, their experiences, their products, their services, are they actually aligned towards delivering that vision and mission? Because if they aren't, you've got some like weird confliction going on there where you're like, hang on a second, you're telling you're telling me I want to do this thing but everything I'm doing is geared up to achieve something else. So you have to have that alignment. The yeah. C is about capabilities, and this is around training people to do what is expected of them. You're saying, I expect you to do this thing, but then not to give them the training to be able to actually do that or the tools to be able to do that. It's, it's very unfair, and, of yeah. course, that's not a brilliant position to be in where are we see w is workplace and this is the work environment and of course that has changed very drastically over the past couple
0: of years big time you can guess why
1: we won't get into the covid conversation because everyone um but it's it's making sure the work environment that they are in is conducive to the work you want them to do and the well-being you want them to have so that's their work environment i is incentives so, again, it's not all about money for a lot of people, but for a lot of people, it's sometimes it is about money. It's making sure yeah. Yeah. that they are being rewarded for doing the things that align towards achieving that vision and mission. There's no point saying, we want you to do this stuff for the customer, but then paying them for something else. I mean, or targeting them for something else. Yeah. Average handle time is, is a big one for that. We're saying, guys, we want you to really focus on the customer. We want you to try and understand their needs, understand their successful outcomes and then work to deliver them. Uh, but you've also got to get your average handle time down. It just, yeah. it's not, its again, it's not aligned. So it's making sure you're incentivizing the behaviors that you want and not yep. something or other else. R is resources, making sure they've got the stuff to be able to do things. So it's like, for example, Zappos has got a department. Um, I, forget what, I forget what it's called, but if I've had a phone call with someone and I want to send them a bunch of flowers, I've just got to phone this department and be like, hey, I want to do this thing. Can you go and do it? So it's having the budget to be able to be customer-centric because unfortunately, yep. you, I mean, there are cases that you can be customer-centric without money. There's lots of cases, but it's a lot easier <laughs> if you do Yeah, have definitely. money. Yep, 100% for me, is the single most important part of all of this. It is empowerment. It's saying you are an individual. You are unique. You are special. You are talented. And we recognize that. And we want you to use your skills and talents to help the customers in the best way that you can. And we've got your back for doing it. It's saying to people that we trust you and we believe in you. You can make decisions. You are as much part of this business as anyone else in the business. You are the people that are directly influencing our customer experience. You are the ones that are directly delivering this customer experience. So you are empowered by us to make the decisions that you need to make to deliver those outcomes that will deliver that mission into the world, which will ultimately deliver the vision into the company. And it's making sure that they know that you've got their back because they're not going to get it right every time. They are going to mess up. But if they are so scared yeah. that the moment they mess up, they're going to get axed. They're not going to do the things needed to be a magnificent company. So they, was that seven? I think it was seven. Seven that was, of back choir.
0: it goes. was. That Vac, so VacWire is phenomenal and everybody should remember that. And I will make sure that we add that into her show notes, James. I was surprised I remembered that. (laughs) I was surprised you did too, to to be honest. I was going to see if we, no, no, but seriously, super, super helpful stuff. And not only that, all of the different points of VacWire are spot on. And this is why, you know, for customer experience and customer success professionals, this is why we have one of the coolest parts in many of our businesses is like to do that really well, to do VacWire really, really well. you have to almost be a part of the holistic journey right and not just i didn't say customer journey there it's the whole journey it's the customer journey it's the employee journey it's the product journey or the usability journey there's all these different different facets here and that's part of the fun of our game is like being able to kind of bounce along that see different parts of the business understand how different areas are really kind of working within a user's journey or a customer's journey um and then really kind of trying to figure out how to multi-thread all that stuff together and to, or align that stuff to your point, James, to align that stuff together so that you're building up, you know, an incredible company. Last thing is this on the empowerment side, you know, I love that. And then it's funny that that's the, the 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 last part of that choir, but like empowerment's critical, man. If you think about, I hate to always go with sports, but I know that you and I were chatting about, we were chatting about sports last time we were catching up. If you think about some of the most brilliant teams out there, whether it's soccer, whether it's football, whether it's baseball, hockey, you, you, you name it, whatever your sport is, that empowerment piece is really interesting if you think about it because whether it's 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 letting people own their parts of the pitch or own their specific positions or whether it's offense or whether it's defense whatever it might look like but empowerment is key man because when people are in that that safe zone or they're in that space where they know exactly what 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 type of autonomy and independence they have to be able to do their craft do their their thing really really well that's when this brilliance happens man that's when like this natural brilliance or like this just this incredible performance comes because there's almost like a flow state that's allowed right if you're if you're in a super draconian heavily ruled out all these all this red tape all, all over the place. Who who can perform in that type of a spot? So I think it's really important. I think it's super, super cool. And I think for some of our listeners today to be thinking about like with team, man, it's like it's a complicated mess. Running and building an excellent world-class team is really, really hard. That's why there's so, so few people can truly really do it exceptionally well, especially huge companies. But um, awesome ideas here, James. Um, I'd love to dive into the second six pillar tools you same type of concept man you've gotten to see all these different businesses you've worked in a bunch of different industries from rock to insurance to all of these other major major huge global global brands that are, are kind of dominating these different spaces i'd love for you to spend a couple of minutes talking about tools james like and then on top of it even like where where we got to meet at ccw in vegas dude what was there 500 of the world's leading cx and cs tools on that floor that uh, for, for that week right That it was Blown away as much as, as as much as I think I know about customer experience and customer success. That was one of the big eye openers for me that I was telling you about, James. It's just like the te- the amount, the abundance of technology and tools in today's day and age to help companies do incredible customer experiences, employee experiences is wild to me. But I'd love to hear your take on it. Just spend a couple of minutes talking about what you've learned along your journey with tools.
1: Well, the thing, I mean, so Pega is the best one, obviously.
0: I like that. I like that. I mean, you have to say it. You have to say it.
1: Well, it's, it's true. It's true. I, seriously, I wouldn't have joined the company. Otherwise, you know what I was doing before. I was I was, had a very successful career before. Peggy came along and really completed the puzzle for me because I was um, I was quite resistant to technology in the past. And in a way, I, I almost still am. I still think that whenever you're doing any sort of improvement projects, technology should come last. It should Mm -hmm. never be the first thing you should be understanding who your customers are, understanding their needs, their successful outcomes, designing the experiences that will make them happen. And then finding the technology to make those experiences come alive. Whereas a lot of companies take a technology first approach, which I I don't, I don't really think is the right way to do it. Um, But as the years have gone on, I have started to realize, especially with larger companies, you well, arguably, I think I've just changed my mind again. I don't think any company nowadays can deliver an even an average customer experience without some sort of technology, without some sort of tools. And when I think about tools and technology, the way I kind of think of it like this, listen, here's some science for you. I'm going to hit you with some science. Are you ready for some science? (laughs) Please do. So we we always talk about behavior, especially with teams and, and employees and agents and everything. We talk about behavior. We want them to behave in a particular way. But scientifically, what behavior is, is a formula of who the person is and the situation they're in. So that's basically how you make up behaviour. That's how you get to behaviour. Who a person is and the situation they are in. smash them together, you get behaviour. Okay? Yeah. Yep. However, and this is the crazy thing that I didn't understand, the situation will always impact the behaviour more than who the person is. It is always the situation that has the largest effect on how someone will react to a situation. And... So for me, looking at it in terms of teams and agents and employees, yeah, the the situation is that really that the the capabilities and the the workplace environment. It's the tools and technology that you are giving them to do the work. It's the environment that they're within, and for me, that that was a it was a a bit of a light bulb moment for me because I was like, yes. you know what, it's it is like being on stage, and You could have the best guitarist in the world but if the guitar doesn't work or it's the wrong type of guitar or it's even tuned to the wrong tuning that they're not expecting that's not right for the song they're being expected to play it's going to sound like crap so for me the tools and technology in a business sense is exactly the same as the equipment the, the musical instruments and the amplification that artists use on stage and you have to get it right. You must get it right. There is no two ways about it. And it was it was an eye-opener for me to be like, you know what? I've been so resistant to technology over all these years, but I was, I was wrong. Technology is fundamental to delivering these amazing experiences, especially now. I still think it's the last thing that comes in. It should never be the first thing. We should never sit down and go, hey, what technology is available? And how do we cram it sure. into people's lives? Yeah. It should never be that way. But really, technology is the the big enabler of these grand things that we want to do for our customers.
0: I love it, man. Dude, I, I really love the analogy of um, the tuning or of the fine tuning, the way that a musician and the way that a band thinks about, or even any performer, frankly, what you made me just think about there, any performer, right? Anyone that's got to go out on the stage, go out on the pitch, go out on the field, go out on the ice and perform. You just nailed it, man. There is a whole supportive cast and crew making sure that their equipment is perfect making sure that everything is completely aligned making sure that everything has been vetted before the game before the performance before whatever it is that you're about to go do a really big thing right um and then on the musician side of specifically i was thinking like as you're as you're talking about the best guitarists in the world i mean what i immediately started to think of i bet you if you asked like the top 100 best guitarists of all time what was one of the most important things that made your band or made your career so successful, I guarantee you they would go to the guys and the gals that were taking care of their equipment or setting up the stage or setting up their, their axes for them. Literally making the, the guys and the gals that you see this for any of our music fans out there that are listening to listening or watching documentaries, you see all the time the, the different people that take care of the gear. It, how, first of all, how awesome would it be every time you pick up your guitar to have someone like that have just set it up for you? That'd be pretty awesome, number one. But I'm, but flipping back to the cx and the csi james you just you just brought up this whole this is why cx and cs operations or some of the guys and the gals that are doing incredible things doing they don't maybe they don't talk to the customers maybe they're not doing the customer phone calls banging out tickets maybe they're not the people that are on the, the front line supporting whatever it is that you're trying to do with your customer but they're behind the scenes. They're fine-tuning your CRM. They're making sure that your ticketing solutions are actually dialed and they're working properly. And there's there, there's 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 tags, there's macros, there's sequences, there's automated facets that an agent can just pull off the shelf and just whip out there to, to become better at their game. That's what you're making me think about, man. It's like it's like this incredible parallel around the complementary skills and the different areas of ownership that if you really truly want to build phenomenal world class world-class customer experience and customer success. James just gave you an incredible analogy for how you need to be thinking about the supportive staff or the supporting partners who can actually make sure that the tools that you're using are ready for battle. I think the the last thing I'm gonna say is this, with a lot of the work that we do with our clients at CVX Chronicles, James, um, we are constantly running into these situations where these incredible companies are using incredible tools maybe they're not fully utilized maybe there is none of that supportive staff to do some of the tinkering the iterating building out reports building out visibility so that you can see some of the gains of the uh, of the usage of the tool and see and make it more tangible make it more actionable insights so like tons of ideas for our listeners to think about right there in terms of depending on what stage of the business or what stage of evolution your cx or your cs or your support side team is is kind of in really really great ideas to kind of take forward and bring back to your team and think about So let's jump into the, the third CX pillar of process. And this is awesome, James. Super helpful insights here, my friend. I'd love to, same, same type of question. Process, we talked about team, we talked about tools. Process is usually something a lot of our guests talk, talk about is like almost like your conduit or your glue, like the, 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 the living playbooks or the standard operating procedures. And not to be draconian, but like just humans typically like to have some form of direction or they like to have some form of. Uh, content or, or or information that they can go to when they do run into a hurdle or when they run into a potential challenge or they maybe they can't get their their, their manager or their director every single solitary time there's a problem and prob- and no manager director is going to want that anyway. So I'd love to hear you kind of talk about what you've seen some of the best companies that you've been able to work with. How have they thought about process and how have they thought about mapping that stuff and building those playbooks to be able to deliver an incredible customer experience? Yeah,
1: see, process is a re- which is the correct pronunciation by the way process is the, it's a really interesting topic because um there is a lot of work done in process that I think could be tweaked you need to understand that process and customer experience it's the same stuff it's just stuff that's being done it's just some stuff is done with the customer some stuff is done internally it's just all it is is stuff And there's no real need to treat them all that differently. What you need to do is make sure that your processes are aligned towards delivering those successful outcomes that you want to deliver for your customers. And when it comes to mapping it, like mapping processes with experiences, with customer journeys, is a really smart thing to do. Because you've got to realize no processes would exist if it wasn't for a customer interaction at some point. Like, no matter what the process is, you will be able to trace it back to some sort of customer interaction. Everything is dependent on the customer at the end of the day. Because if you had no customer Mm -hmm. interactions, if you had no customers buying anything or calling in or doing anything, nothing would happen internally, nothing would exist. Um, So we need to open our eyes to that. And it's like almost the the customer experience and process community need to come together and work together to look at things that way. the, the other point you made as well about like specifically like agents needing guidance. I mean, I, I I didn't want to get into a PEGA thing, but that's something that PEGA are particularly good at being able to look at journeys and guiding agents on the journey and showing them, okay, this is the next step. This yep. is the thing you should do next. He yep. has a really cool knowledge article that you could tell them totally. because when it comes, what, we, what we've what found is that agents' minds are full all the time. If they're using different screens, different apps, having to flip between 15 yep. different yep. tabs to be able to do copy and paste in between things. And it takes so much time and energy to just get stuff done, to Definitely. do stuff that they're not actually focusing on the customer. So the idea is, is rather than having their minds full, you make them wait for it, wait for it, mind full. i mean i don't want to i don't want to say i like it i like it (laughs) but it is it's close but no but it is true you you want your customers to uh, your agents to focus on your customers when they're in a call with them or in any other interaction with them. And if they've got 50% of their brain trying to figure out what screen they need to open next, how are they going to get this information to read to the customer? How are they going to get the terms and conditions up for this particular product to be able to read through it, to hit their quality targets? Yeah. It takes their attention away. So it's, so there's two answers to that. There's think about process in a completely different way. Think about it as just stuff that happens. And then there's get tools and technologies that help processes happen seamlessly and act as like a co-pilot for your agent. It's kind of like playing music from sheet music. Think of it that way. Like, And you, you might think, well, okay, like bands like Metallica don't read sheet music or Black Sabbath don't read sheet music. They are four people performing songs that they wrote. That is very different to an yeah. orchestra. For for example, where you've got about 80 people playing different types of instruments, playing songs they didn't write, trying to cohesively come together to deliver this one performance, this one piece of music, you need the sheet music, you need the conductor, you need the orchestration. And that's where technology comes in, especially with larger companies, when you've got 500, 1,000, 2,000, 10,000 agents in a a call centre. You need that orchestration. You need a conductor. You need the sheet music. That's where PEGA comes in. I didn't want to pitch PEGA, but I I did it by accident. It worked.
0: It worked perfectly, but you're right, man. So a couple of things, whether it's a tool like PEGA or whether it's um, whichever solution our listeners have in front of them right this second today, a couple of big things that you just called out that are spot on. Number one, the journey piece, right? Like, it's funny when people think customer journey or employee journey, they kind of, they immediately think about taking the conference room over, plastering a wall with sticky notes when I just heard you say that, I immediately started thinking about all of the variables or all of the potential touch points or all of the potential things that happen on the day-to-day when you are running one of these customer-focused positions, which are, as you just mentioned, super hard. You're trying to juggle a million different balls. You're trying to keep a customer happy. You're trying to keep a customer coming back. You're trying to keep the revenue coming in. You're trying to keep satisfaction up. Then you brought this next part in. So there's the journeys, number one. But then the number two, context switching. It's mind-blowing, James, how many of even some of the world's best customer-focused business leaders, guys and gals that are doing phenomenal jobs running running the customer experience and customer success in huge companies, they don't always necessarily have the time or the bandwidth or the ability to mitigate context switching. And so then even if you have some of the best CSMs in the world or some of the best customer support agents out there, if those guys and gals are being asked to use 12 different tools to do 100 different things and then to your point you're but they're also on the phone they're talking to a customer they're trying to solve a ticket right in front of them they're trying to finish it or complete a sale come on guys like first of all for for like i think not all of us are great multitaskers let's call it i know for me for one i'm not one of them and i think the reality is is like as customer uh, uh, as customer experience customer success customer service leaders that's up to us to think about some of that right that's up to us to build the playbook or to build to your point write the music in a way where the whole damn band or the whole damn orchestra actually understands their part they understand what type of rhythm they need to be playing They understand where their notes are they understand where they sort of where their their key spots are so their areas of ownership accountability responsibility it's an easy easy way of kind of thinking about how you can go back to your team today or go back to your business today and do an assessment if you guys have you know do you have that type of principle in play is somebody thinking about it is there an owner do you have the budget to your point to even be able to try to make an impact on this so a bunch of awesome ideas that are on process um 100%. i would love to uh this is typically my favorite one so the, the i'd love to dive into the fourth and the final pillar of feedback and i i love feedback man mainly because I think, you know, most people when they think about customer experience, they think about surveys, phone calls, understanding what customers think, right? And it's true, it is true, but I just, I think as we've done more and more of these shows, man, I love hearing what guests have to say about their version of feedback, I really do. I just, cause I think everybody's got wildly different types of ideas on this. And then I feel like every single solitary episode or every single solitary conversation with a customer focused business leader, They say things that make you go, shoot, I never actually thought about it that way. Let me take that little nugget and bring it right into my feedback playbook. So I'd love for you to spend a couple minutes talking about feedback, James. What are some of the ways that you've seen companies do a phenomenal job or or CX and CS teams do a phenomenal job of leveraging and acting upon feedback?
1: So. This is a loaded question, especially for me. If anybody's (laughs) listened to any of my stuff before, they will know I'm not actually a massive fan of solicited feedback surveys. That's probably a conversation for an entire different episode. But what I will say is, when it comes to feedback, I think of it like crowd noise. So you're on stage. If the crowd is cheering, you're probably doing okay. If they're not, you're probably not. But the difference (laughs) with that is, is it's in the moment it's happening as you're playing
0: yeah whereas
1: feedback surveys it's afterwards you deliver an experience and then you go to your customers and say hi customer we've got no idea whether that was any good or not could you tell us yeah yeah i think that's i think we need to get to a place where we can predict within a certain amount of a certain degree of accuracy whether we are actually delivering good experiences or not now some people misconstrue what I say there and think, oh, James doesn't think you should talk to your customers. No, 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 that is not correct. I think talking to your customers is probably the single most valuable thing any totally. business can do. Yep. It's just going out there and soliciting feedback, sending feedback surveys. It's not always the best way to get that data, that information, that connection with the customer that you need to improve. However, not one single person listening to this is going to stop doing it just because they've heard me say that. So, totally, yeah. My stance is, you are probably going to do customer feedback surveys. The least you could do is make them not suck.
0: Right? Yeah, it's true.
1: Most customer feedback surveys suck. They both simultaneously suck and blow, which is that's that's against physics. And it's like really hard for that to happen. <laughs> it, it is. Yet somehow it happens, and. I'm never going to say make them good (laughs) because I I still just don't think they can be good. But it's just they're boring. They're irrelevant. They're stupid questions a lot of the time. People think that customer feedback surveys are the measure of an experience and forget that they are an experience. And there's something that you may have heard of before. I, I imagine some people listening will have heard of this before. It's called the peak end rule. Peak end and it's this psychological understanding that customers are most likely to remember the peak of an experience and the end of an experience so the peak is the most positive or negative part of the experience yes. where yes. emotions have peaked and the end is but it's the last bit so a lot of companies do work to build in strong positive peaks that will negate any negative parts of the experience and a very strong memorable end but then if they go and send a crappy feedback survey afterwards they've just ruined all the good work they've done because that becomes the end and i just think there is probably a big gap to make customer feedback surveys non-crappy non-boring non-sucky i
0: i, I love it and i couldn't agree more and that is excellent advice because you're right where there's almost like a tendency for Customer-focused business leaders to want to kind of pull, pull pull what's what other big companies are doing or pull what other brands that they're familiar with they're doing whether it's NPS, whether it's CSAT whether it's customer effort scores whether it's product scores etc. But you're right. There's almost this huge opportunity in terms of like if you're gonna collect feedback, do it. Do it in the same thing that we talked about in the front of the show, man do it in a creative fashion, make it unique, make it authentic, how, figure out a way that you could cobble it into something that only your brand does, or it's like a really great way of it. The other thing too, is I, I love that you're kind of calling this out because this is a different type of answer. This is why I said that I always love, we always get different answers here. Um, instead of the generic stuff, man, especially for like growth focused companies, companies that are already trying to disrupt the whole space and they're already trying to like, you know, just throw the yoke off of the antiquated entities that are owning that space. That's such a big differentiator opportunity right there. So if the big guys, the 800 pound gorillas are doing MPS and CSAT, do something different, do use different mediums. Here's another one. I was gonna say, when I was hearing you kind of give that answer about like, don't do it. Don't do, don't do boring. Don't do crappy. Don't do, I was thinking like use different mediums. I'm always blown away. Like a lot of the startups that we work with at CXC, they don't necessarily have the the hundred thousand plus accounts yet. They don't have the, the 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 five million consumers out there. You they have these, they've built these super cool companies that are making great money with a couple hundred to a couple thousand customers. Like, do some fun stuff. You can do things with the telephone, you can do things with video and phones, you can, you can, you can actually start to think about doing like creative ways of I know everyone's exhausted with polling, but there's creative ways of doing surveys and polls where maybe then you show back the entire damn sample, what the insights were, like make it creative, make it something that's interesting to the users. And I think awesome advice here, man, because I think even, even, even with some of the work that we're doing, I'm gonna take that as a to-do on myself, because I think that although the world just has so much customer feedback software, it can kind of almost be just mind numbing at times. They're, oh, cool, another survey software, sweet. Like we don't have a thousand of them that are already out there that we can use. There's like uh, the for the listeners. Think about different ways that you can create unique, authentic, and just personalized ways of getting more feedback from your customers. Because I think that's another big thing, James. You're right, man. For the for the biggest and the brightest companies of tomorrow, they're gonna do stuff like this. They're gonna figure out ways of not only doing it in a, where it becomes a part of the customer experience, and then the peak in the end is really really interesting. Because I could almost guarantee you that 80% of incredible customer-focused business leaders they forget the peak in the end. And you're right. When you just send another shitty Qualtrics survey or another survey monkey survey that doesn't really help you with anything, you know you're you're, you're blowing an opportunity to make that end part a freaking. I didn't name. I didn't
1: name any companies.
0: Well, I I understand you did, that. No, I'm just I'm just saying. You know, for our, our listeners, use all these different tools. And I think the reality is, whichever one you're using, you can still use it but there's creative ways of thinking about what else you can do in a complimentary fashion around it. Like I know for like a lot of times customers at CC, they look at me crazy when I say, okay, cool. So you have really low conversion rates um, and you can't get people to answer your surveys. Okay, have we tried picking up the telephone? Have we tried sending like a Zoom invite and where we actually talk to a human for five minutes? Like. Two minutes, one minute, 60 seconds. Like, customer, do you have 60 seconds for me to ask two questions? Like, and I think that you're right. Like, we're, we need to be doing a better job of this as customer-focused business leaders because it's a huge opportunity. And if, frankly, it's where a lot of gold lies. There's a lot of gold. There's a lot of opportunity. And you hear the good, the bad, and the ugly around what you need to do to, to, to really kind of improve your business and continue to grow your business. So I love it. James, this has been an absolute pleasure, my friend. Before we wrap up the show, a couple things. Why don't you give a shout out to the, to, to the Six Nation around where can they find out more about you and your work? And then how do they get in touch with you, man? If they want you to come talk to their business, if they want, want you to come talk to their team, or if they want to learn more about PEGA and they want to learn more about the things that you and the team are doing over there.
1: Yes. I mean, just literally, you go to jamesdodkins.com. If you want to learn more about me, you go to PEGA.com. If you want to learn more about PEGA, if you want to drop me an email and talk about any of this stuff, drop an email to JD at PEGA com or failing that just connect with me on linkedin that's where i put all my content um and talk to people about this stuff all day every day
0: i love it well look i'm pumped that we're connected, my friend I'm, I'm super excited to keep our conversation going offline in the future thank you very very much for joining the cx chronicles podcast and best of luck to you and, the, and your team this year james cheers man i appreciate it Thank you for listening to another episode of the CX Chronicles podcast. We're thrilled to have you as a part of the CX Nation, tuning in to customer focused business leaders from across the world. Be sure to check out the CXC website and, as always, find us on any of your favorite podcast players iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. Thanks so much for making this show a reality being a part of the CX Nation. And as always, folks, remember to make happiness a habit.